Hello and welcome to the Scribes Journal. I am your host, the Scribe of Worlds, and I am joined this week by... It's me, the Violet Author, and I finally, finally have a real microphone and I'm so excited about it and I've got a pop filter and I feel so fancy. Yes, and well. we're still figuring out how to use all the wonderful new technology we have. So if it still sounds a little rough, that's probably why. But don't worry, yeah. keep listening and we'll just get better. I, I've never in my life owned a microphone. And the only time I've ever worked with a microphone outside of like film projects was with Scribe. So I've never handled my own technology before. And so it's going to take me a little bit. Like I was trying to figure out what are all these little symbols on the back? And I had to like look them up and be like, oh, this one's the best for podcasting. And it was having a great time. Just girly <laughs> things. Just girly things. It is a good time. So here we are in the final week of October. We have, we've done quite a bit this month, actually, because I think there's, I think there have been five Fridays, which means that five episodes for this spooktacular season. And I guess there's only four. It feels like it's been longer. But yeah, so we started out with Vampire Heist. We did a Genre Smashers. We talked about the elements of suspense. And here we are in our final podcast just before Halloween this coming Tuesday. And yeah, so to, to finish things out, we are going to pay homage to one of the, the great modern classical twists. And we are going to write a book inspired by the best-selling book, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yes. So to clarify, uh, I finally got to watch Pride and Prejudice for the first time. I was having my best life. And I'll admit, I walked into this fully expecting to not like this movie, which is not something I told you guys at the time. I'm so glad that you didn't. And I'm so glad that you were wrong was, because... Yes. I was fully like, oh, it's going to be like a weird little romance. Like, I'll, I'll just like smile and, and see how it goes. And then five minutes in, I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, this is good. What do I do? It's good. And it was so easy for me to just slip into this world. I then decided to let Scribe know that I had never actually read Pride and Prejudice, but I had read, <laughs> I had read the book Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Have you ever heard of this, Scribe? Uh, yeah, I mentioned it earlier. In oh, no, the, I mean, uh, like, episode? in the intro. No, I mean, like, before I brought it up, had you ever heard of this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I had heard about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and I, I'd seen the trailer for the film that came out for it, and I oh, have been yeah, against it since that. its inception. You still have to no. watch that. I will be watching that. I will definitely go into that knowing I will hate it and I will leave it That's knowing okay. that I have hated it. Pride, Predators, and Zombies is a book that came out by Seth Graham Smith, and I think it was 2009. 2000 something or other. And it, it's actually really good. Like Scribe hasn't read this and he's will refuse to read this, but I really thought it was well incorporated. It's not kitschy. It's not lame. That being said, that gave us some inspiration when I mentioned this to take a classical piece of literature that has already been written and do our own little special monstrous twist, which has been done, I will say, throughout the years by many people. The concept of mashing two concepts together is not unheard of. I don't know if you've heard of Amish werewolves. Uh, it sounds familiar, but continue. It is a uh, it is a book series specifically. One of them is called Amish Werewolves of Space. Oh, it's a real thing. Didn't see if the you space go part on coming. Amazon right now. Also, if you're looking for more of a historical novel twist, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is an option. Oh my gosh, yes. 
I love And I don't think we're going to be able to top that one. But anyway, we have a list of some classical novels that we are going to pair up with a classical type monster. And our novels include Jane Eyre, Little Women, The Secret Garden, A Little Princess, The Little Prince, Wuthering Heights, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Great Gatsby, Anne of Green Gables, Gone with the Wind, Oliver Twist, Hamlet, and Huckleberry Finn. And yes, they are primarily what you would read in 10th or 11th grade English. And yes, this might be traumatic for you if you have just started college and are still recovering from having to read these for high school. So we do apologize, but not really, uh, because this is going to be fun. Yes, it is. And uh, Violet, do you have anything monster related that you might oh, of want to share? Of course I do, Scribe. Monsters are my favorite things in the world in October. I have created a new pick wheel that is cryptid themed because I feel like monster is just, it's a term that's a little bit derogatory, you know? And if our cryptid friends truly out there, I want them to know that they are loved and respected. And if Mothman ever wants to stop by and be on this podcast, I would love to hear from him. That being said, our list for monsters today are Bigfoot, Yeti, they're similar, but not the same, Mongolian Worm, Wendigo, Loch Ness Monster, Kraken, Cthulhu, and Mothman. Solid yes. list. I, I wanted to, so Mothman, uh, I hope it's you. I would pick you any day of the week. Your story is honestly inspiring, and um, I'd like to hear more about it, maybe over a coffee or or, or a romantic candlelit dinner. Okay, uh, so we're going to go ahead and I, spin some wheels. <laughs> And yeah, get away from whatever that was going into. I, I need my boyfriend to never listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. Of all the of all the people. So anywho, yeah. So I think we're gonna go ahead and spin some wheels and figure out what two things we're going to be together in probably unholy matrimony. All right. Uh let's spin this wheel. Three, two, one. Run. I'm so excited. I am also very excited for this. Oh um, my gosh. Okay. Okay. So would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Why don't you go first? Because you already typed yours in, but I have not. And I'm very interested into how this is going to go. Um, We have truly picked a cursed concept to be certain. Okay. So the novel that we have that has been randomly chosen for us is none other than Anne of Green Gables, the story about the red-haired heroine who ends up being adopted by a elderly brother and sister in Canada. And our monster pairing of choice is it's um it's the Mongolian deathworm. What? <laughs> the Mongolian deathworm is a creature that is alleged to live in the Gobi Desert. You'll see examples of it in movie Dune. In some worlds, the Mongolian deathworm is described as a world killer, like a, a, an annihilator. It wakes up, it consumes the earth, and that's it. In other worlds, it's about two feet long and is just poisonous and instant death. So we have a lot of ways that we could go on this. However, it is indeed the Mongolian deathworm, one of my favorite cryptids i actually have used this for one of my story concepts that i'm working on right now so cool it is i'm i'm very pumped about it the, i'm genuine I got, as soon as it rolled it i got so excited all right the mongolian death worm meets anne of green gables interesting okay so oh boy um oh boy oh boy <laughs> i guess what we should do is I we should go over can we put, let's put up a spark notes of Anna Green Gables. How's that? I'm looking for that right now. The only problem is that like the summary is fairly long. 
on the wiki. So oh, just click a full book summary. Look up. Look up full book summary on Sparknotes, and you'll get one that's like it's not as long. But the the Wikipedia is actually significantly shorter than oh really? Um oh yeah oh yeah okay so here the general outline of Anne of Green Gables is Anne is a young orphan in Canada. She is sent to live with Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert, unmarried siblings in their 50s and 60s. Anne is fanciful, imaginative, eager to please, and dramatic. She's also adamant that her name should be spelt with an E at the end. However, she is defensive about her appearance, despising her red hair, freckles, and pale, thin frame. At first, Marilla says that she must go back because they wanted to adopt a boy to help her on the farm. But then after a little bit, with Matthew's encouragement, Marilla allows her to stay. The book recounts Anne's struggles and joys in setting into Green Gables, which is the house. And she quickly excels in her studies. She builds a friendship with Diana Barry, the girl who lives next door. She begins to write. She has this whole like love-hate rivalry relationship with her classmate Gilbert Blythe. Later on in the book, she goes to Queen's Academy to get her teaching license along with Gilbert and other classmates, not Diana, however. And then ends up winning a scholarship to go to get an actual Bachelor's of the Arts degree at the college near the end of the book however this is going to be a spoiler so if you've never read Anne of Green Gables I apologize near the end of the book however tragedy strikes when Matthew dies of a heart attack after learning that all of their money um, has been lost in a bank failure so Anne decides to give up the scholarship to stay at home and to help Marilla she ends up deciding to work at one of the neighboring schools and then to come back on the weekends to Green Gables however what happens is Gilbert Blythe ends up giving up his teaching position at the school right around the corner that Anne went to in order that Anne would be able to work there and live at Green Gables and take care of Marilla. And the book ends with Anne looking forward to what life will bring next. That was so long. That was way long. You were like, this will take no time. And then it took a lot of time. It was still significantly shorter than the other one. So that's that's Anna Green Gables. Fun fact, this is actually my mother's favorite book. She absolutely adores that's Anna fair. Green Gables. She feels like she's I wonder a why. kindred spirit to Anne. And that my aunt is Diana. And she absolutely loves that book a lot. And so I grew up having read that book because I was homeschooled and my mother was very, very serious about classical literature being part of our curriculum. And I'm very grateful for that because if she hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have the love of classical work that I do now. That being said, I find myself a more of a kindred spirit with the Mongolian death worm. Um, (laughs) So this creature shows up multiple times in different iterations. The Mongolian death worm itself is not that scary it's technically so it's a tartar sand boa it was mistaken to be the mongolian death worm much like rhinoceroses are where the unicorn myth sprang from Mm. fun fact but the thing is is we have a lot of different iterations to work from we can go anywhere from its create its use in the 1990 film tremors to dune to its original size and each of those are different sizes different abilities it's much like zombies very versatile which i think is very helpful i have a bit of a concept how do you feel about anne of green gables defending her town from an invasion of like large but not earth killing sized mongolian death worms by using the visions of the future that her imagination have been giving her to build weapons of mass destruction with her 
friend Diana and her lover Gilbert. Okay, so not where I was going to go with this originally. Um, okay. I, I like where you're going with it. My thought was that similar with the imagination thing, she has these conversations with like a Mongolian deathworm or like she sees Mongolian deathworms or whatnot, but no one believes her because they just think that she lives in a world of her imagination. Mm -hmm. And so maybe like she has all of these adventures growing up of like fighting these Mongolian deathworms and no one believes that they're a thing until maybe that's what kills Matthew. So at that point, she has to decide to like come back and defend Green Gables. Uh, and that's like how the book ends with her deciding to come back and take care of Green Gables instead of pursuing. I don't know. What do you think? Also, this is like the hero that we all thought was insane returns to the town to save it from the demise that they originally shunned the hero for yeah gotcha Ooh, i think i like that i think i think i like that this is so funny so the mongolian deathworm is not a is not like a what do you call it it's not a sentient creature in any way correct um it, different iterations different things most of them know i know that for my iteration it is a little bit, but usually okay. they're just like worms. Like they, their only goal is to do what they were made to do. And in this case, it is to kill. Okay. So I think, I think what would be interesting using like your, some of your things about like visions of the future and like the imagination. So Anne is very literary, right? I think maybe what happens is like she writes about her adventures like against these worms and everyone thinks that she's crazy like diana doesn't quite know what she's seen and doesn't really know and is like wholeheartedly believing like this is what's going on and uh and she like writes all of this stuff down and then when she moves away to college she thinks like oh that's it like maybe she moves away and she thinks that it's just fantasy too she thinks like this you know this was nothing but then when matthew dies she's like wait a minute i remember like someone I, mem I remember that kind of a bite or whatever. And she like starts rereading her old notes and she's like remembering all this stuff about the Mongolian death worms. And she has to like band her friends together. I don't know ooh, ooh. to come back. And how about this? Diana is the narrator. She's an author. And when she was younger, she found Anne fascinating. And she thought that Anne's dreams were great story fodder. So she would write down Anne's dreams because she wanted to make a book out of them someday. But then when Anne got in trouble trying to tell everyone in the town that her dreams were real, she, Diana hid the notebook away. And so this is like years down the future. Diana, like you said, sees the bite and is like, wait a minute. I recognize that. Goes back to her old journal and finds all of the stuff and is like, oh my gosh, Anne, it's just like you prophesied with your dreams. Well, that's kind of, Anne is always a more literary one. Diana isn't. So it would make more sense for it to be Anne's journals. However, it could make sense that maybe Anne was writing this stuff down and Diana saw how their town was reacting. And so she hid it so she could lie and say like, like she Ooh. took Anne's journals. A moment of confidence. And has hidden Anne them away. Anne has like, quote unquote, proof in her journal. She's like, wait, wait, no, I wrote all this down. You can see the date. But Diana's hidden the journal because she thinks that Anne will just get herself in more trouble. So all these years, Anne is like, right. everyone thought I was crazy because of you and what you did. And Diana now has to be like, I'm sorry, but I need you to come back. I was trying to help. I was trying to help you. Yeah, I think that's good. Because I'm, I'm thinking about the plot points of Anne of Green Gables and how we can tie them into the plot points of whatever story we're building. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, in, in the book, there's a scene where Diana is over for like afternoon tea and Anne inadvertently pulls out the 
I don't remember what it is, but whatever it is, she pulls out the wrong thing and Diana, Diana just keeps drinking and drinking and she gets drunk and then like runs home and her mom, you know, meets her at the door and her daughter's drunk and she blames Anne Shirley. And so I'm thinking that could kind of be a similar moment in this one. Instead of her getting drunk, like she gets dragged onto some kind of crazy adventure and comes home all like beaten up and scarred or whatever, like hurt and bleeding. And so her mom is like, you cannot hang out with that Anne Shirley girl. Her imagination's gone wild. And Anne's like, no, but there, there really was this Mongolian, like there, there really was this death worm and, and we were trying to fight it and we, and we beat it back. And, and Diana's mom is like, no, there's no way that's possible. And, and somehow in there is when Diana decides that she has to like steal the, the old notebooks in order to protect their friendship. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think it's perfect. I think it's good. I think the story here that we could go for, I think that this story, like what we're writing right now is the backstory that we reveal through the plot of the book. But the actual story is like Anne's return to the town. Oh, interesting. So this is all like backstory of this is what happened. And the reader is finding that out as we go. But right now, the narrator is Diana trying to convince Anne to return so that they can fight the creature together. Maybe, oh, maybe dual POV. Every other chapter, Diana, Anne, Diana, Anne. So maybe like the, the Diana chapters are written in more of the quote-unquote modern day of like trying to convince her or would they be no, written Anne's in is the... back in time when she was a child trying to convince the town right oh my gosh right. it's the last apothecary kind of style of dual pov oh. different timelines what oh, i just don't like you know using the exact same formula as someone else so no no, no. it's a very different formula because the stories don't ever overlap they're entire different pieces of history and the women never meet i'm just talking about the narrative style like it's very different stories uh yeah so it's it is Anne pulls out what she thinks is raspberry cordial but ends up being currant wine and gets diana drunk so in this one it would be like they go out for a pleasant stroll through a field and instead of a pleasant stroll, they end up getting attacked by Mongolian death worms. And and somehow, in some way, is able to like beat them back. Do do Mongolian death worms have any kind of any kind of specific weakness? I'm looking it up. Um, it just they just seem to be like killable. Here's the here's the thing. The reason they're okay. so deadly is because they move extremely fast through sand. Although in this we can change it to just dirt. Dirt and marks or whatever. They're poisonous in this saying in the original their touch they can spray venom at its at their prey or the touch of it can is deadly okay so maybe Ooh. she's like immune or she's something like that oh you know what we could just save everything we could just sprinkle some salt all over the world and watch them all shrivel up like slugs <laughs> okay so we're it's a dual pov diana's is current trying to convince the town well, Diane, I'm trying to convince Anne to return to the town. Anne's is past, slowly describing her childhood and the difficulties she experienced before she was shunned. There we go. Right. And she just kind of learned to, like, shut up about it so she wouldn't say anything, mm -hmm. I think. I think the turning point is when and the moment when like both of them happen at the same time should be when matthew dies yeah like i agree and it's like no i'm not coming i'm not coming and then matthew dies and she's like i have to be there let's see so gilbert blythe also has to make an appearance which oh, he yeah. can just kind of show up in the background throughout the Anne series of this but Ooh. i think what would be fun is like mm -hmm. Anne has to get back somehow and maybe gilbert like has access to a horse and cart or something 
And they've always had this kind of like, will they, won't they throughout the entire book. But I think what happens here is Gilbert says like, she's like, I need, I need to get a ride back to Green Gables. Can you bring me back? And Gilbert says yes. And they come back and they end up fighting the worms together. Ooh, ooh. Um, uh, I like that a lot. I don't follow up note. Yes. Um, sorry, were you done? I don't want to. I was just going to say that like maybe we could build somehow into the story using the art of foreshadow. I don't know how we would do it. But building the art of foreshadow, make it that Gilbert actually did find out about the worms and also believed her, but saw how the town treated Anne and decided to keep quiet about it. And so now this is kind of his like, no, you've always been right. And I'm going to come back and help you. Yeah. Or maybe he just had like a suspicion, but wasn't totally sold on it because Diana hid the notebook and that would have been like the proof. Sure. So I kind of like a more Steve Rogers, not sorry, Stassi Rogers, a kind of like the Steve Harrington character. If you've seen season Stranger Things season one of him coming in and being like, wait, what, what, what? Because <laughs> that's always funny. And it gives a great time. <laughs> For Diana and Anne to work together to provide exposition through explaining it to Gilbert. Sure. I think I think building romance into it would be great. Like maybe even adding in a little bit more of Gilbert's perspective of like his begrudging respect for this red haired little imp who seems to beat him at everything. Like maybe maybe during the trip back or something, we get a perspective from Gilbert. And he's kind of like reflecting on the events that Anne's perspective so far has been talking about. And but his side of his side of the story of being like, I always knew there was something weird about this Anne girl and uh, her stories about about Mongolian death worms. And I can't say it with a straight face. No, you, you can't. You uh... can do it. I believe in you. Mongolian death worm. What's spilling about that? What's happy about that? It's got the word death and worm in the same sentence. The, That's a normal occurrence. The thing that the thing that throws me is that this is set in like set in the late 19th century. Is all it says. It was written in 1908, right? And so a Canadian like red-haired little girl just being like Mongolian death worm sounds just so i don't even know oh boy so mm -hmm. but yeah so i think gilbert is like yeah i can absolutely bring you back and he recounts it in his brain he doesn't put the whole death worm thing together i think he just thinks there's been an accident and we need to to get back and i think in the story Anne was actually back in avonlea when matthew died but for this plot convenience but for plot, for plot right convenience, for plot convenience say, we're gonna change it around a little and because matthew's not dying from a heart attack from a bank failure anymore he's dying from a mongolian death worm so i feel like her not being there makes sense because we can change the time up a little bit right right maybe the worms the worms have all come together to form a humanoid figure under a trench coat they've taken the face of the bank manager and the bank has been thriving surprisingly well for a few months now just, but that's because they've just been eating people and taking all of the money and putting it into the bank so they have a place to hide and do worm things what do you no, think of that Scott? i'm vetoing that one what do you think i am of that, vetoing i am hardcore vetoing bank that one manager worm man i am vetoing that idea bank manager worm man I think I think, well, I think what they should be doing, I think the big like ending that that should happen is they have been because she's been gone for like a couple of years. So it used to be in her childhood, like she would keep the worm population down, but they've been like, I don't want to say incubating. There's been this one worm that has just been growing bigger and bigger. And That's now the worm it's... man in the trench coat. One <laughs> it is not the worm. worm. No, 
no, no, I am vetoing <laughs> the man, the worm man. But there's like the there's the the mother of all worms who is now getting so big that it's becoming the possibility of like maybe not a world destroyer, but it would be an Avonlea, a, a, a town destroyer. And so Anne, Diana, and the reluctant and very confused Gilbert have to go <laughs> and defeat this this last worm. What do you think? So all of the little worms have been defeated and Anne's just coming back to kill the big worm or the big worm is the big no, bad I think, boss at the end? I think that's the big bad boss at the end. So I think what happened is like Anne grew up and during her adventures, she like killed a whole bunch of the little worms. And so so she like kept the population down. But she's been gone at secondary school for a year or so. And so the worm population is out of control because no one else is seeing them or caring or like they just think that they're worms, right? And until all of a sudden, Matthew was killed by one. And so one of these death worms, because they haven't been kept in, in check, one of them has grown so large that it, it could quite possibly like destroy the town or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now Anne has to go fight them the other the other thing we could do is totally scrap everything we've talked about and make the whole culture like pride and prejudice and zombies the whole culture was set around zombies right and them fighting yeah. zombies so we could scrap everything we talked about and say that they went to school to learn about mongolian deathworms and like how to fight mongolian deathworms and there's been a recent outbreak in avonlea and matthew dies because of that but that would kind of change the the tone of the rest of the story. So I don't know. Gotcha. I'm trying to process it. Can you recap that one more time? I'm so sorry. Yeah. So basically we could either do a whole like secret war of Anne Shirley where she has grown up and has seen these Mongolian death worms and has fought against them, kept the population down, but then has gone away to secondary school or high school. And because she's been gone, the population is so out of control that they're like starting to overrun this town or one of them has overgrown and it's about to destroy the town. Or we could make the entire culture, like, this is a constant threat in our lives, these Mongolian death worms. And people, like, part of their education is to become Mongolian death worm killers or, like, exterminators mm -hmm. or whatever. And no, so when I they like go to the secondary concept, school, yeah, I like that the secret war of Anne Shirley. Yeah, I like the secret war. Because here's the thing. Her imagination is what the entire premise of the first of the actual book is like her imagination gets her in sure. trouble and so if the entire I, I like the concept of the entire town doesn't believe her because Anne's always making up crazy stories I think that maybe yes she's definitely interacted with these worms and she's definitely killed a few I don't think that she was the main force behind it I think that just she found it as it was starting to become a problem and she was like trying to kill the problem before the infestation really like settled in but now that she's like she gave up because everyone wasn't believing her and she was like fine i'm gonna go away to secondary school and you guys can figure it out and now the problem's actually becoming visible for the first time and people aren't sure what to do and i think she probably would have doubted herself right oh yeah of like maybe i was wrong maybe this really was just a dream and okay maybe oh, the no, only maybe, reason i said because here's the thing if she's seen them and fought them she's like there's no way that you'd forget that totally right but you you might believe like that was in fact just a a childhood fantasy oh i see what you mean to be, so yeah, how far in the, the, the self-doubt like they're 20 or so now i think they're upper teens okay yeah i like that i like that we're doing a dual pov do one of us want to oh my gosh it's so do, do you one think, of us do you think diana's to... okay he, hear me out diana's is written in 
in what do you call it in letter format Ooh, okay so it's it's like i went for a walk today and you know the and it's like all written in the proper english that they would use like my dearest companion i went for a walk today and realized how much i have been missing you the worms have grown terrible like and we could just throw it in halfway through like like you start reading this and you're like wow this is such a sweet letter from to from diana to Anne. and then all of a sudden halfway through it's like you must return and assist us for I fear that the Mongolian deathworms will be the death of us all. But anyway. I like that. Do you want to take... Okay, l- why don't we split this up a little bit? Do you want to take Diana or do you want to take Anne? I can take Diana. Diana. I think that at first, Diana's letters are just like pleads for her to come back. And then as the book progresses, she starts talking more like the the word worm like starts showing up more and more. And it goes from this like very sweet like... I miss you so terribly and I wish you would just come back home to visit to Mm -hmm. you must return. This is terrible. And then the final one, I don't even know if it would be a letter, but like, you know, it's a a very short message. Like there has been an attack. Matthew has been hurt. It's the worms or something like that. Oh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So sorry, did you say you want to be Diana or Anne? Yeah, I'm I'm starting Diana's. Okay, then I will do Anne and she's more the past. Yeah. Oh my gosh, perfect. I'm doing that right after I send an AR art generated picture of Anna Green Gables fighting a Mongolian deathworm. Yeah, she has no face, which is the scariest part. She has no face and has black hair. Yep. And it's in the desert, you know, which is kind of weird, but Well, let's set it in the desert. Do you want to set it in the desert? Do you want to move the whole town? Well, you know what? Part of Canada is a desert, actually. So we could set it. You're kidding me. What? Yeah, I mean it's considered it's con it's considered a desert because or it considers something like that. I think so. Maybe I'm thinking the permafrost. Let me see. Yep. The Okanagan. Oh, Okanagan. Okay. So let's move. So this is, it's now placed in Okanagan. So we are working with a sand-based town. So interesting fact, <laughs> Okanagan is actually where my wife lived when she was in Canada. Oh my goodness. Which is why I knew it was a desert. That is so funny to me. What? The, the second image you sent. Yes. It's amazing. If anyone wants to send in actual art of anything, but specifically Anne Shirley fighting a Mongolian uh, death worm in the sands of the Okanagan Desert, we would love to see it. So please do. Yes, I love that. Do you think that Anne has been having dreams or do you think that she's just been like in her explorations, she's been finding things? Because I feel like if it's dreams, do we want Anne to be having dreams and then just be like, oh, she's a seer, like... Her parents were seers and like, this is just what she is. And she's always, I think it would make way more sense for her to be exploring because the, the visions kind of pull away from her and like her imagination and her adventurous spirit, Mm -hmm. which is very much like all throughout the book. Ooh, if Diana's are in letter format, Anne's are in journal format. Yes. And I was thinking for after the middle, Diana's also switches to journal format while Anne's turns to like actual POV. I like it. Because Diana wouldn't be writing letters. She would, but yeah. Does, do you want the worm's biggest form of attack to be their poison spray or their bite and their like contact? I think bite and contact. Okay. Yeah. And I think maybe we should make some kind of like Anne is, has some kind of resistance to to their venom to their poison mm-hmm. so i think i think the only thing that we really have to talk about is how does this story end because <laughs> we have kind of the build up to the the like mother worm the giant worm who's about to destroy avonlea yeah uh, but like 
where do we go from there? Like, how do they actually defeat the worms? So the worms bite is poisonous in the original thing. Mm -hmm. I think maybe Anne stumbles across a corpse, a couple corpses of worms that like have just died from other things. And she's done some like small experiments. I think that I think that that poison is highly combustible. Okay. I th- a good I think old that, burning. Strategy. Yeah, I feel like that could be one of their big things. Is like if you attack it with fire, they're very likely to just explode because they they just are what they are. That would, so here's here's an interesting thing. Actually, the Okanagan is known for wild fi- wildfires, and like during the summertime, it just smells like smoke. Ooh. And so maybe maybe what's been happening is for some reason, like because of advancements in forestry or whatnot, there have been less forest fires, and so less of these worms have been killed. I like that. I and like so, that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the when people and lost a whole bunch of important ecology because sometimes you have to burn old brush out of the way. Anyway, that's a whole other topic of conversation. Um, this one being, but yeah, I, I really like the, the combustibility of it. So like these natural wildfires have been, or I should say these wildfires have kind of been naturally keeping things at bay and Anne Shirley kind of stumbled on on that fact. That's really cool. So like they do the whole like throwing a torch thing into into the giant uh, mouth of the worm. And it blows uh, up and and all of the all of the worms like turn back to like try and protect their mother and get burnt they up. They end up too. running and into they start the first the fire. I think they they start like the first wildfire in like five years. <laughs> and yes. they come back to Avonlea and they're just like watching this rage. And Anne's like, yes. You watch them burn. And Gilbert's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> He's like, why am I into and it a little? why am I attracted? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. And then I've, I have written a secret ending that I will only reveal once we go through our recap. Scribe can see it, but Scribe's not happy about it. I am, I am not. I'm very nervous. Okay. So are we ready for this recap? Yes, I think we are. I just finished my last one. You can read the Anne ones. I'll read the Diana and the singular Gilbert one. Yeah, go for it. All right. Anne of Green Gables and Death Worms. (laughs) This classic story has been moved from the wonderful wildlands of northern Canada to the Okanagan Desert. Uh, The story opens with Diana writing a letter to Anne very sweetly asking for her to return to visit. However, the letters slowly turn from asking a friend to visit to begging someone to return home. The letters in the beginning section end with Diana openly mentioning Mongolian death worms. And is in a journal format. She begins revealing her first few weeks living with her new family. It describes when she first begins exploring the sand dunes of their hometown in the Okanagan desert. And she finds a strange corpse of a snake-like creature with deadly fangs. She rushes to bring her Aunt Marilla to come see, but when she arrives, the corpse is gone, buried by the sand. Anne introduces this journal to itself, saying that she created the journal to mark her findings and assist her in finally proving that the Mongolian deathworms are real, dangerous, and a threat to her town. Although the local wildfires have been keeping the population in check for several years due to their serious combustibility, there have been no wildfires in some time, and she is concerned that if there is not a solution found soon, 
Mongolian death arms could become a bigger problem. At some point, Anne introduces Diana, her partner in crime, who doesn't entirely believe her about the worm thing, but finds the evidence they collect quite fascinating. Anne also introduces Gilbert, her sworn enemy, who teases her relentlessly for her worm concepts. In our next section, Diana continues writing her letters. She explains that no one in town believes her about the Mongolian death worms, but she knows that those things she saw as a child were real. And the only person who has had any real success in defeating them was Anne Shirley. She apologizes for sealing Anne's journal, which kept all of the detailed records, and sends her excerpts of her own entries. Letters in this section end with a telegraph. Attack. Matthew Hurt. Come now. In this section for Anne, Anne describes a horrible accident to her journal that happens during one of their adventures. They encounter their first live worm who bites Diana's leg and wounds her. Anne manages to kill the worm using fire and rushes Diana, who's very quickly becoming ill due to poison in her system, back home. Diana's mother is terrified and furious and bans Anne from seeing Diana again, but Anne's too determined for that to work. Diana does live, but has a scar on her leg from the attack, a consistent reminder of the thing that she went through, the one piece of evidence she can never hide. Anne decides that she's going to convince the town that she's correct, but Diana hides her collection of evidence in order to stop Anne from being committed to an insane asylum. Diana also lies and said she never saw the worm and that Anne was suffering from heat, ex heat exhaustion. Anne vows never to trust Diana again after her betrayal and does not talk to her until the letters start coming in once she's in high school. It's at this point that we find out that Matthew was not only hurt, but he did, in fact, die. Dun, dun, dun. Diana's point of view turns to a journal entry format as she begins to explain the fight against the worm. The worms begin to grow in number, and there are more instances of attacks, like the kind that killed Matthew. Meanwhile, Anne joins the main story, and reluctantly agrees that it is time to fight the worms. Her point of view turns normal, like a regular novel, and she begins describing the carriage ride with her old and quite attractive nemesis, Gilbert, gathering weapons and filling in her old friends with worm secrets. Trademark. In the meantime, Gilbert has a reflective POV where he thinks about his interactions with Anne Shirley throughout his childhood as they drive back to Avonlea, and then realizes that she has been right about the death worms this whole time, like he knew he suspected as a child. Upon the return, Diana, Gilbert, and Anne all take current POV as they investigate the worm's origins and discover the mother worm, who has grown so big that she is on the verge of devouring the entire town of Avonlea. Diana, Gilbert, and Anne develop a plan to take the mother worm down. We begin our end section, coming in to fight the final mother worm. Diana, as they fight, is put into a danger and comes very narrowly to death. Her chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Anne's chapter is the last one that ends the story. They win the day by setting the mother worm on fire. The poison inside them is highly combustible, as was revealed earlier in the story. The other worms come back to try and protect their mother, but likewise, they are burnt by the flame. They all stand back and watch the first wildfire in years destroy the desert around them. Anne enjoys the flames. Gilbert is confused. Why does he enjoy the flames? Why does he enjoy Anne enjoying the flames? A lot's happening right now. But that's not all. Scott, there's be. one more thing. I really don't that think there is. The I think that is it. That's the story. The ending. Drawn by the light, Mothman swoops in from the sky. He falls in love with Diana, his dark-haired queen with skin as pale as candlelight, and swings, flies her away into the distance.
existence, ending Diana's torment on this earth so she could become like him, cryptid legend. You're welcome, Mothman. If you'd like to thank me, uh, if you'd like to thank me, Mothman, you can visit me. That was my address, and you can come thank me anytime. Anytime, really. Did, for a nice, did, nice, did I, nice did I... cup of coffee or candle lit dinner. So, this was a great episode. Like, it was a lot of fun. I like this mashup kind of thing that we've got going on, where yeah, we, yeah. we take one thing and we add another. This will probably be the last episode of our Spooktober series, which I am a little sad about. I was having fun with it. Yeah. But there's always next year. And trust me, listeners, there will be more spooky content, whether or not the spooky month is here. And spooky Rutro Raggy will always oh, be ready to run. Yes. I have several that I am so excited to use for even next year um, that I will be keeping on the back burner that may make their way into the regular Rutro Raggy. Some of them might. That being said, this one this one was a little yeah. bit simple, but honestly, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it was nice to take something from my childhood and bring it into one of the one of my favorite cryptids and try and mash them up into one thing. Next episode, we will be beginning a very special series that I am excited about. I'm going to be heading this one. We are going to be starting our NaNoWriMo series. National Writing Month begins in Novel November. Yeah. More specifically, the reason that we're doing a series on this is because I have decided that for the first time ever, I'm going to be starting NaNoWriMo and trying to hit the 50,000 word goal by the end of November. In order to encourage all of you out there, we're going to be doing shorter episodes that are focused on NaNoWriMo progress, how to organize, how to stay on track, and we'll also be bringing in other NaNoWriMo participants who have either participated in the past or are actively participating and keep up on their progress. Super excited about this. I, I know that you, Scribe, you will not be participating in regular NaNoWriMo. Do you have, is there going to be like any like smaller word count that you're going to try and hit? No, actually, I am, I'm going to be focusing on working on finishing up some of the agency arc to Adventures in Fantasy, as well as doing, uh, continuing to do editing checks on those stories and the Wandering Isle checks. I will also be, probably not, probably not this month, but one of the other projects that's on the back burner that might come out during November would be continuity checks for all of those stories to make sure that timelines and mannerisms uh, and characters all line up throughout everything. But no, I will not be doing an official writing uh, during yeah. NaNoWriMo this year. But you, you've got some goals. You've got some goals that, that are specific for your writing, like yep. doing those. Yeah, and NaNoWriMo is really great. National Novel Writing Month and the organization that, that runs NaNoWriMo is really great in working with you in whatever you need. So if you're proofing, if you are trying to finish a story up, if you want to write something entirely new in one month, this is really a great way to do it. There is still time to sign up. It starts November 1st, and this episode is not, uh, you know, is obviously releasing before November 1st. So highly, highly recommend checking it out at the very least. It's a really cool community. You get to hear from some of the greats in writing. Uh, they do these these brief little encouragement articles that you get to go back and and read, uh, and you can see ones from other years uh, and they're they're really uplifting they're really encouraging and even if you are not planning on writing for NaNoWriMo they can really really uplift your spirit and just keep you going on whatever project you're working on whether that be writing or uh, any kind of artistic uh, endeavor in reality mm -hmm. so yeah definitely check out NaNoWriMo I'm really excited for you to to do this 
Violet, because NaNoWriMo is kind of like the boot camp of writing because there's so much discipline that has to go into it. Writing 50,000 words in 30 days is not an easy task. And it's it's doable. It is very doable, but it is very uh, daunting at first. So yeah. I'm really excited to see to see where you go and really excited to to talk to some of our other guests. But yeah, we're really looking forward to November. Where were we going with that? Um, next episode, we will be focused primarily on introducing what project I will be writing on. I've talked about it a little bit in the past and just going over some basics on how to schedule and that kind of stuff. So feel free to join us for that. All that being said, it's time to close out this episode. This is your episodely reminder to leave us a five-star review if you like our stuff, to check us out on Instagram at Scribe of Worlds or at The Violet Author. You can find content on there that we're making. I've taken over some of the content creation uh, and we'll be starting to be making some more reels and that kind of stuff. So hopefully I'll be able to interact with you guys a little bit more as I start really dedicating myself to the social media aspect of this. With that being said, Scribe, do you want to check us out? for today yeah we are always looking for more character concepts uh, as mm -hmm. well as if you have any concept art for anything that we've done or alternate titles uh, instead of you know if you don't like anne of green gables and death worms you know let us know uh what would a better title be based on this you know if you really like this let us know if you really hated it or you had a different plot twist that you would have a different way you would have gone with something let us know share this with someone who loves uh, Anne of Green Gables so they can hate us forever and share it with someone who loves Mongolian deathworms because I am almost a sh I am almost 100% certain that they will love us just to just to close out Mothman our light is always on for you come stop by anytime Whisk into the rest of you your dark-haired queen with skin as pale as candlelight so that she could become one of the legendary cryptids you can't see it but I'm shaking my head I can feel it I can sense it through right. the ether <clears throat> and to the rest of you non-cryptids or cryptids should you be listening have a great week and wonderful goodbye